cure for the common quarantine. It's your boy, BC, back at it, the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports with the Brian Campbell in your ear hole. Preparing injection with that one and only performance enhancing audio. Shout out to the people. Shout out to our listeners. I hope, I hope you're hanging in there. We don't always give you the best of what we got, but we try to. Sometimes we get there. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. This week is good, though. Believe me, I hope you're hanging in in quarantine life. It is the boxing edition. Box AO, we're going to open that box. Step three, we're going to do other things with the box. Indeed, we might get Jaime involved. Magia is naked. No, 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 no. This is Dan. Come on, come on, come on, come on. We know, you know. Hold on, Sean. Sean, this is Danny's night. It is Danny's night. It's also Teofimo's day, night. Whenever you're listening to this fantastic interview coming at you today with unbeaten IBF lightweight champion Teofimo Lopez Jr., the great top rank rising stud. Uh, what is he going to talk about? This is, this is a special interview. This is really good and deep stuff from a young guy who gets it, who gets life, who gets his place in this business right now at 22, mature head on his shoulders. Uh, he's going to, he's going to talk trash about Loma. He's going to tell you what, what he plans to do when they eventually get back in the ring together, why he hates him, why he dislikes him, uh, why Loma has, has, has gotten into his, uh, not his head, but has has made this rivalry real heading into this unification fight. We thought we were going to see it in May. Now uh, Teo has a new month that he's targeting. But we're going to talk life with Teo Fimo, the ups and downs, the uh, the family drama that has sometimes gotten in his way, how he's overcome that, how he survived a tornado recently, uh, his thoughts on Roy Jones Jr. comparing Teo to himself, whether that uh, uh, fires him up, and, you know, We'll talk about grandpa and, and, and how many women, if you know what I mean. Grand Garden Hotel, Philippines, right? You know, you know, you know where I'm going with that, right? You know where I'm going with that. You're going to want to check that out. Uh, Rafe Boog's going to stop by, going to give us that Detroit update, going to tell us about a fantastic piece he authored this week in the athletic.com about his favorite campeon of all time, the great Maravilla Sergio Martinez. Uh, we're also going to talk a little skinhead stuff because it's, it's an interesting topic this week. We know that boxing is shut down. UFC's Dana White, though, will not stop. Can't stop, won't stop. Not only are we going to get a card next week, UFC 249, but we're getting, he's, this guy's securing an island. What, like, what is happening here? What horror movie plot? (laughs) Where, which direction are we going right now? I mean, this is, it's wild, okay? You you thought you knew Dana, look at him now. Exactly. Thank you. Um, it's a, it's a wild time to be alive, but today's episode doesn't, Stop there, okay? You know what I'm saying? We want you, if you like our program, of course, five-star review season upon us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you can find this, okay? Google Pods, wherever you can find this show, we want you to give us love. But one of our biggest loves, the great Alex Godinia, Sacramento Zone. You know the fella, okay? You know the man. I know this man. You got to listen to me. Uh, he's going to debut a new segment that he has birthed on his own for this show called Deep Dive on the Drop. Uh, I'm not going to give anything else away, but it's fantastic. Rafe and I are going to share it with the world later in the show. Um, I love it. I love it from start to end, but including the end, especially the end. It was a good finish. I, I like a good finish. Yeah, oh, thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't we all there, uh, uh, Carl? All right. Uh, yeah, thank you. Um, I'm babbling, but um, 
I hope you're doing well, okay? I can recommend some ways for you to help get through this. This craziness, the unprecedented elements of this. Uh, Ozark Season 3, people, if you haven't jumped in, I know Eric Raskin's uh, going to get in my ear and say, bro, stop talking about Ozark Season 3 if you haven't watched Breaking Bad. All right, I'll get, Eric, I'll get there, okay? Then I'll get to your Breaking Bill pod, which I hear is fantastic, okay? Heard, heard it was going to be good, right? Right? Checked it out one of these days. Then I'll then I'll be able to give you more of a breakdown of what I'm talking about. Sounded boring. Heard the, the, everybody talk about it the next day. Still sounded boring. Okay. I'm also uh, halfway through my uh, well, not halfway, but I'm in the midst of uh, as a family. We're we're going through the Fast and the Furiouses, as I told you. Uh, we're in the Fred at Raskin era right now. Speaking of the great Raskin family, so enjoying ourselves with that. Um, hopefully you're getting by. Okay. Hopefully. All right. I'm feel. I'm feel right now. Today's a good day. It's sunny out. Today's a good day. Okay. We can do this together. But on the other side, after a pause for the cause, it's your boy Rafe Bugs. We got Teo to come. This is the interview that you're going to want to sit down and spend the 28 minutes checking out. Okay. Um, and that's about it. Godinius to follow on the other side as well. Yeah. Dig it. Enjoy. And we're back, your boy BC, Teofimo Lopez Jr., still to come, along with that special surprise I teased from the one and only Alex Godinez, but I gotta bring in my, my, my bestest bro ham in all of box, the finest writer in the entire sport, who right now, amid this global pandemic, is delivering the most compelling content on theathletic.com. It's your boy, Right there, Rafe Bartholomew. Let me lick you, lick up. you up. Let me lick, and I lick you, you down. Turn away. Let me lick you all around. around. Oh, let me lick you, girl. Like your lover should. Boom, boom, boom. Rafe, give us a Detroit update on your life within this, this global pandemic, brother. This is a worldwide update on my life, Brian Campbell. You already know the best. Ah! Um, we're gonna get to this gem of a new segment produced by the by the number one fan in our solar system. Uh, the great Alex Godinez. I don't want to jump the gun, but the the we might as well call 2020 a wrap at this stage. After after what the listeners will hear, it's over. Uh, Apologies to Maddie C. Apologies to Johnny Sig, even though he doesn't really engage in this kind of shenanigans. Apologies to the great Ulrich Anderson, who also sent us one hell of an oh amazing email over the weekend. But it ain't going to matter when you hear what this man has done. Sorry, B-Sample Bloke. Now your name is what? Um, uh, bloke uh, Weppner? No, I'm sorry to all of y'all. It's over. It's This is Vince Carter. Alex Godinez, what's going on, brother? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Okay, all the stars are going to be reaching out to him. Wow, get ready for that. But you did mention Ulrich Anderson. Shout out to that good brother. We had mentioned on our last show, I don't know, is Corona in Denmark? And then I get in our inboxes to you and I, we got Corona too. Exclamation point is the uh, subhead there. What a hilarious email that essentially uh, breaks down the intersection between his dating life and trying to watch Fury Wilder 2 in the middle of the night. So, uh, no, spoiler alert, Rafe. Yeah, hopefully Condon, you know, <laughs> shoot out his gun. 
Ulrich may have. He may have, Rafe. I didn't. I mean, got to read deeper to find that out, right? It did exist. Yeah, yes, it did. Yes, it did. Uh, big fan of that fella right there. Rafe, um, you know, I've had good days, bad days mentally. I've had, you know, my run with Netflix as Tiger King has been great. I just finished Ozark Season 3 on Netflix. Oh, my friggin' Lord, that's amazing. Um, how are you staying sane, Rafe? S- sane. Um, not t- particularly well, Brian, you know, I just uh, wake up every morning, uh, and, and do what I got to do. I don't know. Uh, I, uh, working helps actually. I'm, I'm blessed to still be able to work right now. And that takes my mind off stuff for, for a hot minute when I, when I have to write, even though on some level it seems absurd to be writing like personal essays about Sergio Martinez during the middle of a worldwide pandemic. It it is soothing to my soul and uh, to just sort of bury myself for a few hours or or for more than that in in thoughts of of sexy Sergio and the the great years of Maravilla and well, you, uh, and I hope it soothes the reader's soul for a few minutes as well. Okay, you jumped right into it. The 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 main event, the big topic of the week, your fan friggin'tastic piece on on your campion. He will be champion forever. Rafe's favorite fighter, and, and, and a lot of us love him the same. Sergio. Well, you don't love Sergio. You, you don't know, hear I, Jimmy, man. You, you look, If you hear no, equilibrium oh, yeah, shot, then wrong. you don't hear Here, Sergio. You cannot call him Campeon. Here's why you're wrong. One, the equilibrium shot story, it did happen. It did exist. And that protects his legacy, right? It's not, you know. Number two, um, uh, I regret my hipster take. I believe in it. It wasn't a fake take. But I was that guy years ago. He's like, well, Sergio's not really a Hall of Famer. He had Hall of Fame skills. He just didn't have enough of a of a sample to get it. I, I wish I never said that just because it, it makes people think I don't love him. I love me. The first fight I ever covered and sat ringside was when Maravilla flashed his brilliance against that Razor. Remember that fella? Why, why, why am I... Sergey Zinzuruk? Oh, Zinzuruk. <laughs> yes. Okay, I love me some of that guy but your piece and this is why i call you the best boxing writer in the world today and i know i know you don't want me to put some water on your balls here you don't like that but you were able to pull some old school rafe grantland prime rafe not that your reading has you know devolved from your prime but what i'm saying is the assignments that style of just taking the the ridiculous and making it brilliant you actually made a case in that piece that we all cheered for Sergio and he became a favorite of, of, of box fans, not just because he's sexy, but because he's fighting the uphill battle against what is wrong with this sport. It's a hood sport. Okay. Boxing is full of shit. I used to love this game. I love that hot take there, Rafe. Yeah. Look, I, I definitely have a soft spot for the, the misfit guys, the, the ones who aren't supposed to be there, right? The ones who didn't. Well, like no, no, no boxer has an easy road because the sport itself is so difficult and, and demanding. But obviously, some fighters get uh, a lot more attention along the way, right? I mean, and the the, the pat there it's set up with better matchmaking. I mean, you could have the the early years of Canelo's career or the early years of Deontay Wilder's career. Or you could be Sergio Martinez getting thrown to a, a ravenous Tony Margarito in Las Vegas the, the day after you arrive in the United States. I made up that last detail, but it might as well be true. Um, and to still come back, and well, I mean, 
it helps that Martinez was so much fun to watch, so ballsy. And he, ah, man, I got, I got so into it. All of the old little ticks that he has, where you know he's always pushing down on the on his cup or his yes. shorts and stretching out his back, and the way he, he blows snot rockets all the time. Like in the middle of exchanges, he'll just like reach his glove <laughs> up and like blow a rocket. Like, whoa, come on, you're you're fighting, buddy. Yeah. And then there was what the other one that I love. Oh, when he gets fired up. And you know how Manny 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 yes. gets fired up. He pounds his gloves together, right? And he he makes the, he does like the big. As you would say he does many things. Does yeah, many many things. And Mar- Martinez, his thing when he got fired up and he got uh, and they exchanged, he would always do this like he'd he'd go he'd like nod his head like violently at the other guy and and be like, come on. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned you've got a soft spot for him. Most of us have a hard spot, I mean, to be honest with you. Just look at the stiffness. I see what you're doing over there. And the frequency. Yes. By the Pump it more than once. By the hot dog truck. Uh, Rafe, you beautifully, uh, in your own patented style, were able to describe the the weirdness of his extended team and, and their little Bad News Bears gang, as you called it, and also just some of the reasons that made his story so improbable, his style so impressive and daring, and, you know, his tendency to get the flash knockdowns. Remember, he's fighting essentially in a division over his head. He fought for years uh, to try to get Pacquiao or Mayweather to meet him at 150 and actually cash in. And then by the time he actually had middleweight guys that we would have wanted to see him against, the Golovkin types, it was it was almost too late for that. So it's like this, he had this window where he was absolutely incredible but couldn't fully show it to us against the very best yet still gave us so much to love. So I, I actually like that gimmick story thing you guys are doing there. My favorite fighter. I'd like to dial into that and, and see if I can get a, a Jason Litzow piece published on your website. Look, uh, content, man, we'll take it. I, this, this that's, the, that's the name of the game. If you want to write it, I'm sure, I'm, uh, especially – I mean, you know, the I used to work with our our managing editor Greg Rosenstein at, at or Rosenstein at at ESPN. You know, you know the family. You you the door is wide open. I, I don't know if you want to just do extra work because nobody no, does. No, but no no no, hey, no, 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 no. Hey, come on, you just volunteered, man. How I'm, much? I, I, you... I already I'm on Slack right now telling them. You have two fighters going to beat seven kinds of shit out of each other, and you're. I couldn't give seven of those about doing more work at the moment. I got enough work going on. All right. Uh, uh, yeah. So that's the deal on that. Um, loved your piece. I encourage everybody to, to, uh, spend that six cents a day to feed a child in a third world yeah, country could or I, subscribe could I, could to I, could the... I just, could I just, could I slide in your DM here? Yeah, please. And, uh, another, this was one that I, I wrote last week. I think after we had recorded our podcast, but it was something that, I wanted to talk to you about. You know, it's another gimmicky, mythical matchup story. I had to get deep into potential Gennady Golovkin. Happy birthday, by the way. 38 today, April 8th. Um, big gift to people. Yes, yeah, big gift, big gift. Uh, and You know, I thought Triple G was getting in that ass. <laughs> That's that, that that's everyone <laughs> spread them wide that because might, you know you gotta might, give this man his gift. That might be the gift at the end of it's, the night. You gotta, it's, you know, it's his birthday, yes, right? You yes. gotta, you gotta give him what he wants. Um, yeah, I, I eat ass every day. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, well, the first thing that I do. <laughs> 
yeah. Him and his brother used to bang it out. Oh, they did. They really. Yeah, Max. They, you know, that crazy Max Golovkin. Folks, that's not the way men do it. Some do. Some actually do. Well, the first thing I do is make them toast myself. All right. Yes, Rafe. Yes, yes. Basically, I, I had I, I did it. The imaginary uh, what if Carl the Cobra Frotch and Gennady Golovkin fought. Did you write that? And I did write it. I have yes. not seen that yet. I'll send it to you. I'm not offended at all. Um, <laughs> I got to talk a little bit with uh, with the former trainer of Gennady Golovkin, Abel Sanchez. Ooh, was he still bitter? I I didn't get in. I didn't I didn't bug him about oh, that. Oh come you on, know? bug his ass, please. No, I'm not. You know, I, that, that's that that's water under my bridge. I'm sure he's still a little bit bitter. But he said at the time he thought that Frotch would be the toughest opponent out of Chavez, Ward. And Frotch. I don't know about that one, Abel. But he thought that uh, Golovkin was such a monster in those years that he would have broken him down and, and, and it would have been a tough first six rounds, followed by target practice, late stoppage. Wow. Frotch, of course, had the, his own podcast where he spoke for about 10, 10 minutes about why he was going to win that fight and, and, and compared – Shaking Golovkin's hand to shaking a piece of wet lettuce, uh, as only like Carl Frotz can do. Love to shake your hand. You'd love to. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Very, um, well, very well done there. Yes. But here's the thing. I spoke to someone else. I can't even remember who it was, but somebody who knew something about. Uh, I don't even remember. Um, but here's the thing, Brian. I kind of galaxy brand myself into thinking Frotch would have won that fight. <laughs> Tell He's me, bigger. I'm, I mean, I'm, look, yeah, I'm we an never, idiot. We had never ended up seeing middleweight Gennady, lifetime middleweight Gennady against a very large middleweight, except for in the Danny Jacobs fight. And I thought the fight was a draw. You know, I, I tend to think a lot of big fights are a draw. Unfortunately, what's wrong with me, Rafe? Uh, well, that's another that's another podcast. Um, yeah, I, look, if if Frotch was was healthy and could withstand the constant heavy jab and pressure from Triple G then he's in that fight. He's the bigger man, okay? He's 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 got the who has the biggest weapon in that fight? Single like one punch? One punch. Who's got the biggest gun? Probably Frotch. I That's mean what that I'm that that you know, jump in with the with the one two. Uh we saw what it did to George Groves of course in front of I believe it was 80,000 yes, yes. at Wembley. <laughs> Not quite 80,000 um, Floyd. Yes. He, yes look, yes. they call it a peach of a right hand for a reason, Brian. Um, but I, look, I still think that Golovkin is the better, uh, you know, the more dangerous offensive fighter as the, or the more, you know, it just the, uh, how do, how do, how, what am I saying here, Brian? You know what I mean, right? Finish my sentence. Uh, were you talking about hookers? You don't have to say, wow, he was a great hooker. You don't have to say that, right? He's not a mid-range hooker at all. Um, but no, I mean, it really came down to a, a size argument for me, Brian, and that Golovkin, you know, he's still at, he's 38 years old, has never moved up, has never grown out of the division. And so I think we can say that he is a really, really, really a natural middleweight and might not be comfortable moving up to 168. And where Frotch was a really big super middleweight, I mean, he's like almost 6'2", about four inches taller than Golovkin. Fights in and out, you know, if, and we know that Golovkin doesn't like to punch with people. So if he could, if Frotch could jump in and out and get off first, then he might even be able to not get totally outworked in that fight. 
uh, as and also if you talk about people who of all the people who would I'd expect to or I I think have a, a decent shot of getting into a firefight with Golovkin and at least trading for a long time on equal terms, surviving. Uh, Frotch got to be near the top of that list because you've seen the the the, the shots he has taken at, at, from all of from go start with Jean Pascal, go through Jermaine Taylor. Of course, he, yes, he was down in that, but just a lot of uh, he 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 looked at a lot of guys and. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't the punchers who beat him. He was great at giving shots accordingly and shots to Rachel accordingly, Rafe. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I'm, no, no, no. I, I hear you. I hear you. All right. All right. Yep. Let him shoot his low. He did. He definitely did. Um, yeah, I got to read that piece. I love that. I see. I, I love this filler crap. This is a, you know, I don't like this time. It's a weird time. But, uh, speaking of this time, here's the transition I want okay. to make here. I actually interested in getting your take. We had Bob Aramon last week. He, uh, he, he trashed Dana White. Okay. We went through that. Uh, I went through that with the Bob father. Dana should be ashamed. But where we were last week when I was like, Hey, uh, Rafe, you see what the skinhead white guys are trying to do right now? It's one thing to try to push forward with a fight card, like no matter what the government regulations are saying to you. And it's another thing to do what Dana actually is doing, which is next, uh, a week from this Saturday, UFC 249 in a secret location, which is apparently going to be like the, Tai Chi Palace Resort in Lamore, California, out there on tribal grounds, which is, you know, sketch enough. But the freaking dude is, is, uh, did you, did you hear this interview with my man, Brett Okamoto? Where is it here? Let me get this uh, queued up. I've also secured an island. I've got an island. The infrastructure is being built right now. Rafe, this is like like I'm at my MMA pod this week with my man Brandon Wise. We're just making like Fantasy Island Fire Festival jokes. What the Rafe? You've seen much ridiculousness in this sport of box. What is going on right now? Look, um, just tell me, Brian. Are you going to go to Skinhead Island? <laughs> I'm starting to get the feeling that only approved media, because he said I'll, he said he will let. You Are you know, too much of a rebel for I, Skinhead Island? Well, I, I do I do share screen time with Luke Thomas, who seems to be the biggest uh. ambassador against this ever happening. But uh, I'm not saying that would preclude me from getting on the private plane. But he's actually saying, Rafe, if you, if you show your MMA white power tax, will you get in? <laughs> do you realize that he's actually saying that he's not going to tell the media where this location is and not going to tell the fighters they're going to congregate in certain areas of the country, get on his private jet and fly to an undisclosed location? Like, really, what is happening here? Like we will arrive at your door with a van. You must put on this blindfold, and when you get out, you will be on the island. I um, mean, have you heard the recklessness that he's talking about Corona? He's he's basically like, do it, do it, come on, kill me, I'm here, come on, do it now, kill me. I've had a great run, right? If the coronavirus is what's going to get me, let's do it. Bring it. I'm ready, Corona. Come, come. <laughs> That's a real thing. That actually happened. Um, it's it's absolutely insane. Uh, I, I look. I'm I I like we talked about this last week. It is no no more dumb and reckless than it was then. It's a little alarming that it seems like he's actually going to pull it off. Um, you know. I look. Uh, here's the th- here's I, I have you know in that part of the Central Valley near Fresno. Um. 
what hospital will they be using if fighters need to go to the hospital to get checked out? If there's, I mean, it's MMA, broken bones happen somewhat regularly in that sport. Um, He's claiming you know, they will have their own answers to all those questions, their own doctors, their own potential but the, what, if, what if someone – I mean this is a terrible worst-case scenario. I'm knocking on wood that it would never happen. But what if you get a brain bleed? I know UFC never has and, and that's great. You know, But it it's a combat sport and it can happen. What it, you, they probably doesn't have a, a place where they can induce a coma and, and put someone on life support. I mean it's one thing to do it in middle of nowhere, California, 40 miles outside of Fresno. But if the, whatever this private island idea is – and by the way, there's some rumors that uh, Eddie Murphy owns a private island in the off the Bahamas and they're both tied to Endeavor. So it could be that. No one really – I mean this is so bizarre that no one really knows because he's fighting – he's purposely stiff-arming the media. The, the less – the media knows the better off it is. <laughs> Thank you, Ioli, for that laugh. Thank you for agreeing with that, Ioli. While, which, while he's talking to Kevin, while he's talking to the media, um, it's let's. I don't look. Uh, it's it's really it's not socially responsible stuff. <laughs> I don't blame the fighters if they want to participate. If they choose to, I'm sure they under. I hope they understand the risks and have thought pretty seriously about it. At the same time, they're they're people who whose jobs are extremely risky and they need to be able to compartmentalize fear and stuff like that in a way that might lead to them not really taking it as seriously as perhaps they should. Um, but at the end of the day, they, they're adults. I guess if it's not illegal, it's not illegal, but boy, it is, uh, it's nuts, man. It's crazy. This is not Mr. Nuts. Yeah, you're damn yeah. right. And what happens if they get to that private Island and local officials have some pushback. What, what are we going to do there? Andy, we need you to take one big thing for the team. And I said, oh, my gosh, I've been taking something for the team every day. He said, well, you're our wonderful gay leader. Which skinhead is going to take one for the team if they need to, right? This is ridiculous. Dana, stop this. It's like hiding from cancer. You can't hide from this thing. You can't hide. But I, thought, I thought he was friends with Mr. Kent. I don't understand anymore, Rafe. Okay. All I know is that boxing is a hood sport, and this MMA thing's trying to be even hoodier. Um, wow, wow, wow. Uh, the Oh, Eddie Hearn blasted Data. Are you sure? You know, Eddie taught us. What did Eddie t teach us that time, Rafe? Where is the, where's the damn soundbite, all right? Money and blood don't mix like two sticks and no chicks boxing and Find ethics yourself. don't really always mix but yeah but eddie says to uh express sport it's unbelievable i'd like to think that in boxing there's no more there's there's no one more roll up your sleeves and get it on with it than me but even i wouldn't consider staging an <laughs> incorrect event right eddie now. that person is dean lonergan we know who that person ah, is who's not an awesome sleeves, banging on a roll of quarters <laughs> Thank you to our listener who reached out. It's like, yo, fellas, he's from New Zealand, all right? He's a he's a rugby hard man. He's a he's a whatever. I don't understand all that. Anyway, uh, he's yeah, a lot more quotes from Eddie. He says Dana wants to be a trailblazer. People have told him that he can't do it, but I know the feeling of being told something and you do it anyway. Half of me admires him for cracking on, but the other half says, "Come on, don't be so mad. Whatever, Eddie. Okay, whatever. Whatever, Bob. Whatever to everyone. All right. The only person. What do you, what do you got? What do you got? Well, I'm Ray? thinking. Look, the, the the really the truly objectionable thing about all this is the the number of other people it puts at risk in various ways. Whether that is 
fighters and their teams, the medical personnel that they're going to have to have on site and presumably take away from wherever else they might be contributing to, a again, a, a national emergency and worldwide pandemic. Um, the you know, the, the person, the PPE that, that doctors might require if, uh, in these cases, you know, all in a, in a moment when there's enormous scarcity of all kinds of medical resources, it's that's, that's the thing that is really, really selfish and objectionable. If people want to go do something that's very ill-advised, like, uh, like, go like tattoo on PP, right? Right. Yes. Um, get the Prince Albert piercing yes. all of you know, or tell the predator to kill you. Yes. All of, you know, go talk to the predator without first covering yourself in mud while naked. These are all things <laughs> that could get you killed. And on some level, I it's like as long as they understand what they're getting into, you you, you sort of roll, shrug, shrug at it and be like, all right, well, sometimes people do uh, ill-advised things. But this – it doesn't – I can't think of any way for them to do this here here in, in California. Well, not that I'm in California, but – in 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 the the lower 48 states or on whatever you know skinhead island fantasy island love island wherever they're going with this thing um that's not going to endanger other people somehow it's wild it is so wild and you know of course i believe the the reasoning is is hidden financially wall street journal just reported that uh for ufc to make that absurd amount of millions from ESPN this calendar year. They have to put on a minimum number of events and certainly they're off pace to put that on. So this is part of that because parent company Endeavor is that, laying people off. I don't know. Dude. I don't doesn't know. that sound a little bit like the, uh, like what the zone was being, um, was being criticized for last week when they announced they weren't going to pay some of their league partners for content that wasn't going to happen because of the pandemic. Um, and there, uh, the sort of the sports business reporters all said, well, it's, it's common practice and, and for, for the, these networks to continue to honor the contracts, even if some event makes these things not happen because they want to maintain good relations with the, I mean, I don't, would ESPN pull the, pl would, uh, is ESPN thinking of not paying all of its money to, the NBA this year because there probably isn't going to be an NBA season. I mean, is I guess is the UFC at greater risk of getting stiffed by ESPN than any other league? And if so, then they need to work on that relationship, right? Yeah, and I think parent company needs the money because they paid four billion for the UFC a couple of years back. So uh, wow, wow, wow. Uh, Rafe. You know that you just the, apply uh, for some small business loans and steal it from that, right? Like music, the pandemic is making me lose control. In light of that, okay, I could have kept rap rapping and dancing with you. In light of that, let's bring in this this art piece of artwork that number one, 2018 State of Combat Box Pod listener. Alex Godinia has authored a new se segment for our podcast called Deep Dive on the Drop. Rafe, do you want to say anything before we throw to this? I think it speaks for itself. It's magnificent. That's magic. Here we go. Towards the beginning of the 21st century, on a day in September, if you were alive, you remember where you were, what had happened. No one will ever forget the events of September 5th, 2005, when Eric El Terrible 
or the terrible Morales, went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Zaire Rahim and the translation heard around the world that swung boxing into the stratosphere. Come on, let me, let me put some water on your balls. CBS Sports is proud to bring you a State of Combat podcast special presentation of Deep Dive on the Drop. On this night, the spotlight would not be thrust on the pugilists inside the ring, but on the man who changed the sport and lexicon forever. His name, Ray Torres. From the opening bell, the commentating team of Jim Lampley, the late great Emmanuel Stewart, and the man who never gave Floyd his fair shake, Larry Merchant, were on their game asking the important questions. Well, you know what would be fun? If, if the fight goes the distance, we'll get to see... How much Harold Letterman's card differs from that of his daughter, Julie Letterman? Does the acorn fall far, as we say? However, when the round ended, we knew this was Ray's night, as his translations were as smooth as freshly woven silk. If boxing had a deity, this would be its voice. When you throw the right hand, watch out with your delay. Hit him in the bottom. All right, skinny. Give me some warm water. Everything in the bottom, inside, the back. Don't let, don't be short with a punch. That son of a gun, you gotta watch out for that referee. Deep press, son. That referee's against us. As the match went on, Ray's excellence was indistinguishable from the excellence being displayed by underdog Zahir Rahim, seemingly getting the best of El Terrible. Like a siren from Homer's Odyssey, you could not help but lean in as Ray translated throughout the fight. It's very difficult, so be sure you're aggressive. Don't get over Salas there because he's very difficult, very elusive. As the fight went on, El Terrible was seemingly losing. This is becoming almost embarrassing. It really is. It's a wipeout. The disbelief of the crowd was palpable including two of boxing's greatest champions in attendance that night. A duo who equally live up to their namesake as emperors of their sport. Julio Cesar Chavez and Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. That's the closest they've come to smiling all night. Mostly these have been looks of great concern and consternation over the way their buddy Eric Morales is having difficulty with Zaire However... Those in attendance would not hear the pinnacle of boxing's greatest moment when Ray Torres brilliantly translated the corner of a battered Morales at the end of the 11th round going into the 12th and final round. Okay, Eric, deep breath now. Come on, let me, let me put some water on your ball. Put some water on your ball. Put some water One of the seminal moments in boxing's storied history a higher mountaintop a man cannot reach. Ray Torres had hit the pinnacle of the sport. However, controversy would soon follow as many observers dispute the translation by taking a closer listen. If you listen closely, you can hear Morales' corner giving instructions right before Ray translates. Okay, Eric, deep breath now. Come on, let me, let me put some water on your balls. Echeme los huevos which translates into give me your eggs. Was Morales' corner asking for groceries at an inopportune moment, or was it a plea to... Let me, let me put some water on your balls. Was Ray breaking the rules of translation, or was he the equivalent of a jazz drummer, playing his silky voice as he saw fit to create his auditory masterpiece? Let me, let me put some water on your balls. 
The answer may never be known or relevant because some moments are greater than the sum of their parts. On behalf of all the dedicated men and women at CBS Sports and for the State of Combat podcast, we thank you for joining us for this special edition of Deep Dive on the Drop. Wow. 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 I'm, I like standing standing ovation, single tear rolling down my cheap cheek. That was beautiful. It was on. Did you like that? I love it. Gracias. 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 Gracias to Senor Godinez. Rafe, um, that's self-written, produced, hatched, birthed, performed, performed, oral completion by that man that set that Sacto's own. Probably the the third most famous man in Sacramento history behind Mitch Richmond and Uriah Faber. It's Kevin Johnson and Kevin Johnson. It's Alex Godinez. I put him over the Uriah Faber. I uh, mean, well, yeah, all right, all right. Uh, did you now look? If this becomes a thing, are there any drops on our board that you need a need the Godinez deep dive style done on? I was thinking about this. Oh man, well, I, it, there's so many. I oh, what's? Do you have one ready off top? The, there's so many. I've got 24 pages of them. Okay, <laughs> okay. Like, what do you want from me? There's so many. All right. All right. What deserves the true 30 for 30 style audio treatment here? Uh, the Russian, I think, is is more to my liking. Okay. I mean, that wouldn't now, be a bad that wouldn't be a bad start right there. But uh, wow, thank you, Godinez. Um, thank you, Rafe. Thank you. Yes. Wow. Yes. It is good. It is. It is, it is hot. It Flipping is, cheeseburgers yeah. would be good. Flipping cheeseburgers would be great. Yes. Um, I'm gonna leave it up to that man whether he'll do more or not. Whether you know. Wow. He you know what we should do? He's becoming a correspondent for us. That we should send him to Mountain View. We should I don't want I don't want Dwyer to what if, what if we send someone to Mountain Mountain View and Dwyer kills them? <laughs> like, 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 you know, As payback you, you step for... onto his property and he's just ready to go. You you don't know. As payback for the Mark for Death pod and what it meant to the Jamaican people. Uh, yeah, indeed. All right, Rafe, I got to roll on. We gotta, I got to bring in Teofimo. Follow this man at RafeBugs.com. Um, read his stuff on The Athletic. You got something, anything else to say to everyone? Uh, I was just going to say, well, there goes my top five Mike Alvarado fight segment that I was fired up for. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I'm gonna turn up for that. When he was punching the air, when he uh, during that that hook uh, warm up, when he was in that hotel that, that, room, that is a class. That is a top one ever yes. shadow boxing performance. One of one. Uh, thank you, Ray, for your service to the people. Uh, you have any appearances coming up? The uh, the Laugh Factory or anything? Uh, uh, only the State of Combat podcast okay. that's 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 the exclusive home of rave books okay shout out to omaha shout out to you and your people rave thank you goodbye thank shout you. out to avon connecticut thank you thank you all right the lovely and talented rave bartholomew ladies and gentlemen thank you to him and now we go to the interview of the week evan corn our our mainest man from top rank uh providing the goods once again getting us the unbeaten the spectacular teofimo lopez jr Oh, this is a fantastic interview. I mean, this guy, talk about having your head on your shoulders at 22 years old. Uh, we get into everything from tornadoes to why he hates Loma to, uh, so much good stuff. I really, look, this is, this is a good one here. So get ready. Buckle up. You're going to like it. You're going to like how you're feeling it 
I guarantee it. All right. Thank you. It's Teo. Enjoy. He's the unbeaten. How you doing? Lightweight IBF champion of the world. He's the 22-year-old phenom. He's the man who wants all the damn smoke. It's Teofimo Lopez Jr. back on the pod. My man, how are you holding up in this quarantine reality? Like a champ, man. I'm holding, I'm holding on like a champ. <laughs> <laughs> um, working out, working out, finding different ways to do different things to keep in shape. And, um, you know, I'm waiting until all this gets, uh, all this is done and, get back to to the sports industry man and then entertain the fans again absolutely we thought we thought we were going to see you maybe may 30th maybe msg unifying those lightweight titles against the great vasily lomachenko do you believe tayo that that will still be the plan when we get back into the swing of things absolutely i do believe that i believe that we'll definitely have um the fight made once everything comes back to normal, it'll probably happen in the fall. And um, I think all the fans definitely, definitely got to gotta pay to watch that fight happen. Have you two had any contact with each other since that time in the ring after your sensational victory over Richard Comey in December when you posed for pictures, the boxing world got all kinds of fired up. Do you ever secretly shoot him a DM and be like, bro, I'm coming? Nah, nah. He knows I'm coming. He could feel it, and you know, I mean, obviously he's gonna. He's probably training as well as I am, and you know, we just we know that what what we got at the table and what what's gonna happen that night, you know, and and pretty much he's gonna try to do his thing and I'm gonna do mine, and may the best man win, but I'm there to I'm there to win. You know what I mean? So, so I think honestly, uh, I mean, I don't need a sliding his DM and text him, stuff like that. I mean, he knows what it is. He knows the memo, you know. And um, and um, honestly, once we get our first press conference and everything going, you know, I'm going to look him in his eyes and he's going to know what's up. I'm sure you saw the comments that came out of his interview with Top Ranks Christina Poncho where he said he can't wait to look you in the eyes after the fight when he said he plans to stare down you and your pops and he can't wait to see the look after he beats you. Uh, he also went on to say, you're not a champion, you're just holding his belt. How do you respond to this 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 fellow here from, from the Ukraine? <laughs> He's funny, man. That guy's funny. He's a funny dude. He's a funny little man. That's all I like to say. He's a funny little man. You know? I don't think I don't think he understands. Ah, he won't understand until that day happens, bro. Honestly, um, you know, a lot of people take me. Uh, they take they underestimate me because I'm young and stuff like that. They think that I don't have the ring IQ and et cetera. But he'll feel it. He'll feel it when that day comes. Me, and my father, we don't we don't talk our shit and not back it up. So obviously we've proven that, and we're gonna continue to prove that. I like the fact that he says stuff like that. It just keeps me going. It keeps me motivated. It just keeps me pretty much. Um, it keeps me just to know that when I whoop his ass, I ain't going to feel bad afterwards. You know what I mean? That's that's really So it's good. I can feel that. Uh, when you did have the, the public moments with him. And look, there's been. Like, like, like no, no, no. Like, let, let's take it way back. Let's take it back when I didn't like Diego Magdalena. What did I do? All right. Now, 
Evan gave me shit. So Evan from Sotbury, he gave me shit, which was true. I shouldn't have gone that far. But before that, I didn't care. I enjoyed what I did. I enjoyed knocking him out. I actually made it go a little longer, waiting to see how much he could take before I finished him. Now, the other case is this. Whether it happens with Loma like that or it doesn't, I'm going to enjoy knocking him the fuck out and not feel any remorse. What a, and, and that's just it. I do not personally like the guy. And that's just, so there's always different things. Like with Richard Comey, I like the dude, but I had to do what I had to do. Things like that. There's business and then there's personal. This right here, personal. Just don't like the dude. Don't like how he says things. Don't like how he is. Um, and then when that day comes where we fight, I can't wait. Can't wait to knock his head off and not feel bad. Well, first of all, I wouldn't take Evan Korn's threats seriously, all right? Number one. Number two, <laughs> uh, when did it turn personal? What Was it a comment? Was it a look? What was that turning point for you when he got in your crosshairs? It's, it's, it was all of the above. It's the look, the way he presents himself, the way he is. I just, I don't know what it is. You, you ever see someone that you just look at, you're like, man, I want to punch him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. Maybe uh, maybe it's just a me thing, but I, I I don't get that a lot. There's some people that I could I could relate and vibe to and just chill and hang out with, but then there's some people I just can't, and they annoy me. They bug me just in their presence, being there in the same room. I just I get annoyed and bugged. I don't know what it is. Maybe he got maybe he's I don't know. Maybe he got this vibe that I don't my 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 vibe like my energy doesn't like his energy and. I don't know. Then it just started getting bigger, and then I started seeing how how he was towards other people. Um, and then I just I was like, man, fuck this guy. Honestly, so my father he my father's on another level. My father just wants me to be to become the best fighter in the world. That's his goal, and he's gonna do anything and everything that. And he believes that I could take on anyone. Shoot, if if I was fighting. If I was fighting Goliath, my father would be like, I'm ready to kick his ass. I mean, my father's just like that. He believes in me 100%. And that's the reason why I have all this confidence. Throughout the years, I finally built that confidence in within myself because of my father. He believed in me so much that he sees me, shit, put me fight, uh, fight, let me fight Manny Pacquiao, Floyd Mayweather. He says I'm going to whoop them all. So, I mean, that's who my father is. Love it. I love it. I love the passion. I love the intensity. Uh, he, he's kind of pushed you into some of these things, but you've backed them up when he comes out and says things like you'll knock out Loma. We can't wait to find out when that fight finally does happen. Uh, you said you've been staying busy, staying in shape, but the whole idea of this Corona cabin fever, we're all feeling it, bro. I mean, sometimes I'm eating too much. I'm drinking too much. Uh, I'm yelling at my family members. What are you doing to stay sane on the personal level during this? Um, <clears throat> it's hard, man. Honestly, I, I saw that I was gaining a lot of weight. I'm be real with you, man. And I was like, oh, shoot, I can't have that. Because if I keep going and I shoot up to, to 180 or 200, I'm, I'm screwing myself for a potential fight with Loma. And I'm screwing myself at fighting again at 135 to defend my belt, you know, that I rightfully, uh, I won. You know, um, so just kind of always keep that and keep that Mamba mentality, you know, rest in peace, Kobe, and stuff like that. You just got to pretty much understand that where you're at and in, in your position right now, you can't lose it. You can't and you can't F it up. 
even with circumstances like this, it's kind of, it's tough, you know, with everything that's going on, you know, and, and you just try to make the best out of it, honestly, you know, I mean, Arkansas, right now I'm in Arkansas, um, in Jonesboro, Arkansas, it's not as bad as it is in New York right now, that's why I had to leave, um, because if I didn't, you know, um, I probably would have had caught the coronavirus, and it's not good for me to say, you know, it's not good for me to have the coronavirus, you know, especially for it attacking the lungs, me having asthma, um, this could cause, this could be death for me. So we try to prevent all that stuff from happening. So we do things indoors. We have a garage. I hit the bag for my sit-ups, my push-ups, calisthenics, you know, the drill. Just keep everything, you know, in the ones and twos, do the Epsom salt baths. You know, my wife, she goes shopping for me. She goes and grabs uh, bags and things that I need to keep me keep me going you know yeah let's keep the champion away from touching anything let's make sure this fight happens uh i read it's become much publicized in a short time how when you arrived in arkansas you were met with a tornado bro tell me about that how real did it get for you guys it got real intense it got really real man i mean it was very scary i mean the whole house shook i mean the whole house vibrated i mean you could hear everything you at times like that, like, I, we saw it. Me and my brother-in-law, we saw the tornado coming towards straight to us. And we just bunkered. We bunkered down into a closet, um, well, which was the safest place in the whole house. And we just prayed. We just held on tight and we just prayed for, for the best, you know. And, um, I mean, the whole backyard got ruined. And then all these houses, we live up the block, but down the block, um, all the houses got destroyed. I mean, half there's not even a house anymore for some people. I mean, it's sad. This thing is crazy, especially with times like these, you know, being self-quarantined and everything. I mean, it's scary. It really is. People were coming out of their houses, you know, um, full of, full of, uh, pretty much full of dust and everything. I mean, they had bricks on top of them. They were, you know, people were trying to, we were trying to take them off of them and everything. They were coming off. They're like, they're good. They're going to the next house. I mean, wow. Uh, it it was crazy. It's scary. It's scary, man. So we're already in, you know, an unprecedented scary time with the outbreak, and to see you have to deal with that, certainly, uh, I'm, I'm glad, obviously, you and your family made it out okay. And I was talking last week on this show with the great grandpa, Bob Arum, your promoter, and, you know, he was very outspoken that he feels it's uh, it's shameful, was his words, that fight promoter, specifically Dana White the UFC, would push forward fights at this moment, with all the uncertainty, with all the deaths going on with the virus. But I also understand the fighter point of view in the hunger to get back out there. If fighters don't fight, they don't get paid. Where do you sort of stand on where things not are now? With Right now, boxing's on pause, but I don't know if you saw the headlines that Dana White is going to buy his own damn island to put fights on. Are you okay with that? Um... I honestly no, you know, I mean, because, you know, but this is my opinion, you know, this is not a, obviously this is not something that, um, you know, would do anything, but this is just my opinion and saying that, you know, I don't think it is a, a smart idea. I mean, if, if all the big, big, you know, um, business companies and the industries like the NBA and, and stuff like all these big associations, you know, um, if they're, willing to lose millions maybe a billion you know but hundreds of millions of dollars 
you know, because of the causes and what can really happen with this COVID-19 um, virus, I think, honestly, we should always, we should all take that in consideration and realize that this is bigger than what we believe and what we see, you know, but I, this is just me, you know, I mean, you put the fighters at risk, even if there is no audience and it's just the fighters and their, and their teams and everyone to watch at home. I get what he's trying to do, keep the sports, you know, at least keep some, some sport out there still alive for all the fight fans or all the fans in general, all the sport fans to just watch and tune in on. You know, I mean, it's it's boring, you know, right now life is boring without sports, you know, and we all could agree on that. True, true. You no know, and, um, and I think, uh, you know, I get what he's trying to do. You know, he's trying to do it in a good way. He doesn't mean it in a harmful way. You know, it's just with times like these, especially, you know, um, you know, there's probably UFC fighters that have asthma, too. There's probably people that have health conditions that no one knows about. You know, I just started to put it out there, you know, but I've been I've been having asthma since I was six years old. So, you know, and I kept this on the low for a long, long time. People didn't realize or notice that I had asthma. But, you know, um, so who could who could say what they have and they don't want to say anything, you know? And if they catch this, you know, it could be life or death for them, you know? And um, I think those things you always got to take into consideration. But I get what he's trying to do. I'm not bashing Dana White because I get what he's trying to do. I think that is a it's a beautiful thing, but it's a curse at the same time. You know, and, for, um, for your own pers- personal yeah. standards and, and your own, you know, care for your own health, would you take a fight in the next couple months if it was an empty arena and you were sort of, you know, guaranteed a certain amount of travel safety and in, in, in doctor safety? You know, that's a good question. My father, he would say yes right away. My father would say yes right away. <laughs> uh, me to say, nah, it ain't the same without the fans. So I would say no. True. Honestly, I would say no. I would say no. It's not the same without the fans. The reason why I do so great when I'm out there performing is because I hear the fans. The fans, man, they hype you up, man. I, I love, I love a big audience, and that's what I, that's what it, it's. It's a drug that I'm addicted to. You know, it's my drug, and I'm addicted to it. And and I think it's there's no sport without fans. You got to have the fans, and if you don't have those fans in the audience, you don't have them in there with you to celebrate to enjoy and to say ooh the oohs and the ahs i think it's not it's not as exciting so i would say no i think that's a fair answer i like that uh killing time for people like me in the media like i said we had bob on we're telling stories he reiterated i'm sorry i made him reiterate details from this classic story he tells now imagine this grandpa 1976, hanging out with Muhammad Ali in the Philippines at the Garden Hotel. We had an orgy for two days. Never screwed so many women in my life. You think Grandpa's telling the truth here? Could you see Bob getting down like that back in the day? Absolutely. Hell yeah. That's a, that's a Bob father. Hell yeah. I can see that definitely, man. He ain't making that up. That's for sure. <laughs> that guy is wild. <laughs> We also had a chance to have Roy, Roy Jones Jr., the legend, on a couple weeks back. And I, I brought up your name to him. And I said, look, Roy, no one, no one's a Roy Jones Jr., right? You're a unique. You're a one out of one. But sometimes I see Teofimo and I get Roy Jones feels. I asked him, do you feel the same way? You better believe I do. Teofimo Lopez shows me a lot of my old stuff. It makes me really become a very big fan of him because of how much he reminds of my young self. 
So, yes, I definitely see a lot of the old Roy Jones Jr. and T.F.M.O. Lopez. T.O., how do you respond to that kind of praise? Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit, damn. That took my, uh, damn, that got me speechless. Holy shit. Damn, bro. That's, that's, I looked up to him a lot, man. I, I, I watched film of him, uh, Sweet Pea, uh, I used to watch Sweet Pea, man, and, and Roy. I loved watching Roy, man. That's crazy. You know, I that think, crazy. I, I didn't even think, I didn't even think he knew who I was. To be real. Damn. Uh, you I didn't know, even think he, yeah. Uh, you know, I think, like, the, you know what's the thing, Brian? You know what's the thing, though, man? I, I don't, I guess, I don't know how big, of a, of a, I guess, boxing star I am and out there, you know? Well, so I, I, I can't believe he even, I was, when you told me that, I was like, he probably don't even know who I was. I don't blame him, though. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, you know, he sees what we all see. If there's any comparison there, it's the sort of unscripted, unorthodox explosiveness that you have where you can just land a, a leaping left hook on the chin. So I was going to ask you if any of that was patterned after Roy. Absolutely. Oh yeah. He used to do the faints. He used to look down. He used to, he used to look at your body. He used to look at even at your feet and just trick a fire there. And he used to just come up top. And I mean, he was a beast. I used to love his left hooks. I used to love him with a passion. I used to love the combos he used to put in together. Like that was my dude, Mike Tyson, Sweet Pea, Roy Jones. I mean, the list could go on and on. Those are the guys that I really, really like put my whole like work into trying to be like them, like do the certain things that just made them special and just convert it into my, my style. So to hear that from him, like that, this should make my day today. Yeah. Thank that's you. what like, I'm talking wow. about. Get fired up. All right. You're part of this young crop of, of great fighters that, that seem poised, ready to take over the sport. And you're all around the same weight division, right? There's, there's Devin Haney, Ryan Garcia, you. I mean, there, there's a few others right there. But then I go into the YouTube machine and you know what video? I didn't find it. It found me of Teal sparring against Tank Davis. Can you tell me the parameters of when that was and what the situation was and what you sort of learned from that? Um, I was 15 at the time. I mean, my my frame was so small back then. I mean, I didn't even fill in. You know, Tank was 18. That man was like a, a fucking, he, was, he, he looked like a tank, bro. And he's all muscled up, you know, solid, man. A, a young tank. Um, obviously we known each other for years though. We known each other for years throughout the, uh, amateurs. We've known each other through the national silver gloves, um, even the regionals, the mainly the regionals because we used to all be the Gary Russell brothers and myself, um, Erickson Lubin, uh, Javante Davis. We all used to fight at the silver glove regionals. We all used to meet up. I mean, Antonio Vargas, big guys, big names. And um, that's how we all grew up. And then uh, this time came where uh, one of the coaches that my father was working with, with me, um, Coach Chill, Anthony Wilson, which is, we used to call him Coach Chill, uh, along with my father. He, uh, he had Tank, and I think he was training with Tank for a little bit or something like that, or, doing, or helping the team. And um, we just sparred, you know, uh, we did – we didn't do a lot of rounds, though, honestly, because he had there was three different sparring partners on top of it. So it was me and three other guys. It was four, so he was uh, alternating. So I did three with him, and then he did three with everyone else um, to make it twelve rounds. 
Uh, he was getting ready for, I think, like his fifth pro fight or his sixth pro fight at the time. Um, nah, nothing, man, honestly. I mean, he's a strong fighter. Don't get me wrong, you know, but he had, he was a lot bigger than I was when I was 15. You know, I you always know, hear that. I think things have changed. Yeah, I always hear the old stories, like Mike Tyson would say when he we're, sparred. We're, we're talking, we're talking, we're talking about like seven years ago. Oh, um, certainly. <laughs> well, you know, I sort of want to ask you a question about this because I love the story Mike Tyson always says about when him and Lewis, Lennox Lewis sparred as like fourteen-year-olds. They looked each other in the eye after and said, "You know, we're going to meet again down the road." Do you get that feel when you spar with a guy in the amateurs or way back when, where you you you, you know that guy's going to be there at the end of the day? Nah, nah. I just I would just spar just to spar. I don't really think so, man. I don't mean to. Um, I don't know. I just I I was like, you know, I always thought of it like this, you know, because the guy, a lot of the people I sparred with, I mean, they had a lot of potential, but just never, just never followed with it. You know what I mean? So I mean, um, I did feel that, yeah, a few times. I'm like, well, I'm probably gonna meet this dude sometime, either later in the amateurs, or you know, probably in the pros. You know, um. I never got that vibe with with Javante Davis. I thought he, you know, he fought. He was fighting at a lighter weight class at the time, but um, you know, um, it's a possibility that we could fight. You know, oh, so wow. yeah, I, I love look forward boxing. to it. That fight was to come. I love the new crop of guys. You're you're about to make this sport your own if you get in there and take care of Lomachenko like we want to see. I want to ask you one quick question, though, because you're always so honest in the interviews. I give you so much respect for, at a young age, the maturity that you carry, the way you deal openly with, you know, you, you've dealt with depression in the past, the, the family drama sometimes. You always come to the forefront and talk about it. Uh, the fight that you had last July, Masayoshi Nakatani, that wasn't the Teofimo Lopez Jr. I know. And, of course, afterwards, you know, that gave the analysts a chance to go, oh, maybe he's not as good as we thought he was. Well, hey, watch the Richard Comey fight. He is who we thought he was. So who were you on that mm-hmm. night against Nakatani? What happened? See, I could agree with you on that, Brian. I could definitely agree on you on that, man. Definitely wasn't the Teofimo I know neither, so. Um, all that really what happened was I was just worried about my wife and my sister getting getting at it, you know, the, during my fight time, you know. Uh, so, you know, just, just some things. That's all it was. It was some things. I mean, it's in the past, you know, um, and I'm just I'm happy that I uh, I um, I finished the year with a bang, you know, and I did it the right way. You know, um, we earned that, that, that spot to fight Richard Comey and, and to fight the world champion and, and to – you know, be a challenger and now a champion. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about it. You know, um, definitely wasn't Teofimo. And that's why I didn't really care what the critics said, you know, afterwards. You know, I know who I am and I know what I'm able to do. You know, uh, but it's a learning experience. You know, don't let, don't think outside of the fight game. You know, and I was just thinking and worried all, all that fight, you know, about what was going on uh, behind the scenes. That's all it was, you know. I wasn't even there. And I'm be real with you. I told my father too in the middle of the fight, telling him that I ain't here. He's like, I just I'm thinking about all this other shit. And he's like, you can't, you gotta snap out of it. You know, it was uh, it's a learning experience, so you know. I, and that's what I took with me when I fought Richard Coleman. Whether it was that. family drama or not, I just said fuck it. You know, this is about me. This is about me right now. I'm putting my whole life at, on the line, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fuck it up for anyone. I just Whether don't it's want my. Whether whether it's my wife, my mother, my father, I'm not gonna jeopardize my life when I'm trying to feed the ones that I love, uh, just because they want to be um, 
you know, they want to think about themselves at that moment. You know, that's not fair. So I just, with the Richard Coleman fight, I took that with me. Whether they were mad, whether they were this, I didn't give a fuck. Be honest. Excuse my language. But, and that's what happened. Man. I mean, if I keep that mindset always going, you know, you're going to see more more spectacular spectacular uh, fights and knockouts like I did with Richard Coleman. Great answer, man. I appreciate you breaking that down. And I just don't want Nakatani to go home with his boys and think, you know, he survived 10 rounds with the great Teofimo Lopez. No, bro, you would have been served if if the situation was differently. But I'm glad you learned a lot from that. I'm going to close with this. Uh, I was looking up and down your resume and saying, what's my favorite Teofimo moment so far? And without question, it's the KO from December 8th, 2018, Theater at Madison Square Garden, Mason Maynard, face first, beautiful punch. The highlight will follow you for the rest of your life. But answer me this honestly. When you find out that this guy's calling himself Rock Hard Mighty, did you say to your dad, we got to serve this guy. We got to knock this guy out cold. What kind of nickname is that? <laughs> nah, uh, my father and I, man, honestly, he's a, uh, nah, it was just, some things happened that uh, a few days before then, you know, my father had that altercation with Lomachenko and stuff. And um, I pretty much, you know, we, we knew what we were going to do with Mason Menard. You know, my father was excited about it all, you know, and, um, uh, you know, we just pretty much, I, you know, my father put me in some shit that I, I had to figure out and, and um, pretty much uh, back him up. And I did that. And the only way, too, was by knocking this dude out. And and thank God, you know, God was with me that day. And, you know, we did what we did. Damn. You know, and I think that kind of, like, silenced the the mayhem that was probably going to happen afterwards. So, uh, you know, that was good. It was good, though. God's always on our side. He's on my side, always protecting me, making sure that I, I do what I need to do, guiding me to the right path. And I, I think, man, um, yeah, that's one of, man, you know, that was my first fight coming back from um, from breaking my right hand. And I knocked him out with my right hand. <laughs> <laughs> you gave us the dance. Oh, shit, that man. really helped build the star. It's, it's crazy, man. If I, could, if I could relive these moments, man, I would. I love it. I love it. Teofimo, pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for giving me so much time today. I encourage you to uh, to keep at it, bro. You you got it. You got it. You, you got your head that's, on your that's shoulders. It. That's it. I got to see that, you. That's it, Brian. That's it. You cutting me off already? I'm cutting. Well, I can go all day with this. Seven but... minutes, man. I got all day today, man. That's what I'm saying, Kevin, I... isn't it right? I got all day. All day. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I could go deeper on the Bob Orgy story, right? I'm still trying to uh, interview witnesses, but pleasure to talk to you. Can't wait to see you fight Lomachenko for all the belts. Any message for your fans, your haters, for Corn, anybody on the way out? <laughs> uh to everyone man uh stay safe stay at home and if you can you know uh just spend time with your loved ones obviously uh whoever's in the household with you and um just enjoy you know this time being i mean at least we all get closer together at times like these and we all just help each other in our special ways you know and um you know uh coming back hopefully everything goes back to normal we get back to to the sports industry and, and, and entertaining you guys. And we all love you. You know, um, it ain't the same without you guys. And we thank you guys for always supporting. This goes out to all the fans. And till next time, you guys will see Teofimo Lopez again. Vasily Lomachenko. And then afterwards, who knows? Jose Ramirez. Who knows? Josh Taylor. Hey, 
the list could go on and on. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much, brother. You got it. Thank you so much. All right. Special thanks to Teofimo Lopez Jr., Evan Korn, and uh, for content provision once again. Okay. Step up your game, PR folks, because Korn's coming for you. Korn is up in that ass right now. Okay. That's what I'm talking about right there on that one. Okay. Thank you. I was in your ass and you quit. That's how gangster I am. Um, That's how gangster we are on the State of Combat podcast. Uh, Here's the deal, folks. We're always in your ear holes giving you something. UFC 249 is next week, whether you're a skinhead aficionado or not, but it's the only game in town in combat sports and all of sports uh, from some mysterious location in the California desert. We've obviously got you covered on the State of Combat. Detailed preview analysis. Detailed debates over the validity of this card even happening. We've got some interviews lined up with the big names next week. Sugar Rashad Evans, the Hall of Famer, will be back to break down the card. Instant analysis afterwards. So hopefully you'll be back with us and enjoy all of that. If you want a little spin-off box content from your boy BC, uh, I encourage you, of course, every week to check out Morning Combat. Brought to you by Showtime, Luke Thomas and I, every Monday, 12 Eastern, live on the YouTubes. We break down all things combat, sports, and beyond with the ridiculousness that you love of this show. A little bit different flavor, but still a lot of fun. But what they have going for us this Friday, you got to take part, okay? I want you to tune into Showtime, 10 p.m. Eastern. Showtime's going to dig into the archives to present to you Corrales Castillo 1 and two, that's reason enough to tune in on your TV and check that out. What else do we got? How about a live companion show? Classic Combat is back. Your morning combat spinoff is Luke and I live at 10 p.m. Eastern on YouTube Friday night. We'll give you uh, two drink minimum. We'll give you a, a live companion uh, jokes, analysis, fun, lots of good stuff. Relive the, the all the moments and check out for some uh, MK spinoff content this week on YouTube, brought to you by Showtime. I've got interviews with referee Tony Weeks about great hair parts, about his role in that crazy 10th round. And we got trainer Joe Goosen coming your way as well, talking about that shirt, yes, but also some real good stuff about his relationship with Diego and how that fueled the way that 10th, that classic 10th round played out. You know, you, you, you effing better get inside on him indeed. So check out all that I got coming at you during this quarantine life and um, stay positive, folks. All right, we can do this. It's not easy. Not easy for me. And like I always say as a disclaimer, I'm I'm up here in the burbs with the fenced in backyard, the dogs and the kids doing great. And I need some some long walks to uh, clear my head and long drives. But uh, stay safe. Don't be reckless. If you're uh, I know it's harder if you're in some tight apartment and nowhere to go. Or if you've lost your job, but uh, hopefully the SOC can be in your ear hole, giving you something to smile about. Thank you for your service with us through the years, and hopefully we are giving back to you just the same. Thank you, Alex Godinez, our number one man, okay? That's it. You got to look at the whole man, but our number one man, indeed, okay? Anyone else out there? Uh, who's got beef with him, who wants to be in that spot, you're going to have to take him down, all right? Everyone's shitting themselves, right? And I'm just getting started. Because Godinez is just getting started. This ain't, you know, this ain't quality bloke. 
This ain't Berto. You know, this is the raw dog, okay? This this ain't uh, Klitschko. You know, what I'm, you know what I'm going with that? I, I think you do, you know? This ain't Jorge Coda. Thank this you. ain't Jorge Coda. This ain't Jorge Coda. Uh, look at him now. It is Alex Godinez. Uh, that's it. That's the show. I got nothing else for you, okay? But two words. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Yow. Yeah.